buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I've got a fantastic guest for you today. We're going to be talking with Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, who is recognized as one of the top 50 most influential sales and marketing leaders in the world. He's the author of A Mind for Sales. His other books include High Profit Prospecting and High Profit Selling. The focus of the work is helping influence and impact others to help them see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. Mark, thanks for coming on Sales Hustle today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great because that's what we're, we're going to do. We're going to help people hustle more in sales. I love Absolutely. It. And just before we get into the, the good stuff today, we're going to be talking about um, your new book and some of the topics in there, which I recently dove into. Uh, but just give people the short version of, of like your, your, your sales story. Seems like you've dedicated and do a lot of good work. And I'm just curious how you got into sales and why and, and just the short version of that. And then we'll get into the tactical stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to be in sales, okay? I mean, let's put it that way. I mean, hey, you read the book. At the beginning of the book, I talk about how I did not want to get into sales. Um, I only got into sales because I got too many speeding tickets. Now, nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed. But I had to get a job that supplied me with a car. Um, What's funny is I was such a good salesperson, I got fired from my first two sales jobs. Oh, yeah. 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 See, it was finally my third job where I finally, my boss sat me down. I thought I was getting fired. Mm sat me down and really told me, you got to focus on the customer. Mm-hmm. What are the needs of the customer? Not what you want to get out of them. <laughs> mm. Wow. What a what a good lesson early on in your sales career. I, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people that haven't quite figured that out. Oh, well, don't worry. I didn't figure it out the first time he said it to me. It, was, it took a number of years for that to sink in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I treated customers as if they were bowling pins. My mm-hmm. objective was just to knock them down and move on to the next customer. Uh, that that's not a way that you really deliver customer expectations properly. Just just saying, it just creates a lot of um, uh, problems after the sale. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. My my first experience in sales, I've been in sales a little over ten years, and it was very typical. You know, very transactional, treating people like you know transactions and commissions. And, and that was it. Yeah. Um, and there's still people that are doing that today. And so I'm just curious, what was your transition of like doing things kind of that way? And then, you know, having your, your, your manager sit you down and tell you like, you got to do that. And then how long did it take you to figure that out? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it's been a journey I'm still on. But <laughs> here's here's what I began to realize is, is that you really have a lot more fun with the customer because now you're engaging with it. It's not confrontational. Mm-hmm. It's no longer confrontational. Mm. You're having a dialogue with the customer and you're really coming alongside them. And there's this funny thing that happens. Trust is created. Wow, there's a novel experience. You know, because I, I didn't think trust was part of the sales equation mm. up to that point in time. Mm. Then I began to realize that trust is the foundation from which all sales are created. Mm. Then you really begin to say, okay, now we're talking about how do you create integrity? How do you create a level of confidence? How do you, how do you really become a person of influence and impact with people you come in contact with? Then, you know, you start putting that paradigm in place and it changes everything about how you look at sales and more importantly, how the customer looks at you. Mm, mm. Okay. And so how does somebody who's maybe struggling, like where do they get started to try to adopt some of these things? Well, first of all, what you got to focus in on is not what you sell. I I don't really care what anybody sells. And I I really don't even care how they sell. What I care about is why they sell. Now, I'm not, I'm not copying Simon Sinek. He wrote the book Why, and I, you know, understand. But it, it, it's why we're in sales to help people see and achieve what they did not think was possible. That's what our objective is: help them see and achieve what they did not think was possible. And what does that mean? Well, many times the customer doesn't know what they can see. They, you know, they, they think they see this, but uh, no, we have to come alongside them and help them to see something. And then they don't have any clue as to how, how to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Well, we can help them achieve it because of what we sell. So now it's not what we sell, though. It's the outcome that they're going to create from it. That's the, val- that's the whole reason we're in sales is to create outcomes that have allowed the customer to see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. Mm. When you do that, you get to do the happy dance and you say, hey, you know what? Sales is a kick in the pants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know from my own experience transitioning from that, you know, really typical salesperson of, you know, always be closing and, 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 you know, all the things that everybody, all the reasons that people hate salespeople, right? That was me. Um, And when I really transitioned to just helping and serving, sales became so much fun. And, And I hate to say it, but it actually came easier. It became a lot easier. And I'm a few years older than you. I even had the polyester plaid suit. Okay. Okay. I, I at the age of 22, 23, personified the slickest salesperson you've ever met out there. I even had the, the plaid vest that went with the polyester plaid suit. Okay. Oh, boy. And yeah, yeah. And man, I thank goodness there weren't cameras back then. <laughs> anyway, see, now you stop and think about that, though. But that's the stereotype that a lot of people have about sales. And that's still what a lot of salespeople are out there trying to do. Yeah. They're trying to see the only good sale is the one that leads to the next sale. Because two things have happened. Well, one of two things or both things have happened. One, you're either going to get more business from that customer mm. or two, they're going to refer you and pass you along to somebody else. Mm. See, I, I want to make sure that every door I... I don't close sales. I hate ABC. Always be closing. Okay, okay. I mean, I I get it. Alec Baldwin played that role well. Always be closing. I get that. But I want to replace, you know, I've replaced with ABV. Always bring value. Yeah. Always bring value. And and now that's nothing new there. But here's what happens. 
See, I don't want to close this. Closing a sale sounds like, you know, you've arrived at the terminal, <laughs> the, the termination of your flight. No, no, no. I want to say it's the opening. We open a relationship. Mm. That's what we do. And it's amazing. But when, when you begin shifting your head in that direction, it's amazing how many more opportunities you see. Mm. It's amazing how what you, you think was just a one-off deal and you move on to the next one, suddenly you realize, wait a minute, there's a whole lot more business here. Yeah. And what it does is it creates the opportunity to do land and expand. Land is where I land you as a customer mm -hmm. and then I expand. Mm -hmm. I expand either because you're buying more or you're referring me to other people. But if I'm going to put the time and effort into getting you as a customer, don't I want to get an ROI in my investment mm -hmm. that keeps on giving and giving? Yeah, I do. So I never want to have a one-off, I never want to have a one-off transaction. Mm. That's lame. I, I love That's I love lame. what you said there. The only good sale is the sale that leads to the next sale. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it 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 just change it it changes. Because here's what I see happening. So in in the transactional salesperson, they they get down to the close, and and, and their mind is already on to the next customer. Their 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 mind is already going. They've already on, they've already spent no the commission check. <laughs> exactly. They, they've got they've got commission breath. Yeah. They've got commission breath, and they, they've spent the and they're on to the next one. And the smart salesperson sitting there saying, "Wait a minute, hold it. There's a whole lot more business here. Mm. If I take the time to listen, mm. if I take the time to help them, and what happens is it, it, it's amazing the number of doors open up. And this is what's also interesting." Is the transactional salesperson surprisingly enough is, is very much is very much a pessimist. Mm. Now people argue with me on this, but let, let me explain why I feel this way. Because they live for deal to deal, and if the deal doesn't come through, they, they are down in the dumps. Yeah. Conversely, the one that says every sale I get leads to the next sale is the optimist. Mm. And you know what? When you have an optimist mindset, when you have an optimistic mindset, it's amazing how many more opportunities you see. Because you just look at things differently. You look at things totally differently. Yeah. And you, as a result, not only do you create more opportunities, but more opportunities come to yeah. you because you become a magnet that people want to come to. Yeah. All right. I want to dig into some of that stuff for a second. I just I just dived into the book on Audible, which I was happy to find it there. And uh, I'm on chapter six so far. And um, one thing that you talk about early on in the book is that, that confidence. The confidence, confidence, and is, and yeah. and yeah. so this yeah, this ahead. pessimistic salesperson that you're talking about to live deal to deal, you know, typically, and, and I've been there, so I get it, right? Where every deal is make or break, or you're defining your self worth based on whether you win or lose the deal, um, and 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 once you have that confidence that you talk about in the book, it's it's it your prospects can feel that. It's almost like you're helping, you're serving, you know, you're adding value, you know, and you could care less if they sign up with you or not or do business. Like, honestly, in, in, in the people that I work with, I tell them, look, the goal is simple. Make sure they have a good experience, regardless if you work together or not. And some of those relationships with the people that we didn't do business are the, your best advocates because they're like, wow, they weren't the right fit, but that was a great experience. And they want to rescind you business. Right. <sighs> It, it, it's amazing the aura that you cast. And what does it do when you are more confident, not, arro not arrogant, yeah. 
just confident in who you are. It's amazing how the customer becomes more confident. Mm. And when both parties are confident, it's amazing the dialogue of the information that gets exchanged. One example is this. If I'm confident talking with you, we'll say you're the customer. I am very comfortable asking you a question that you don't have the answer to and I don't have the answer to. Mm. But you know what? We're going to have we're going to have a conversation. Collectively, we're going to figure out a better solution. Yeah. You see, if I wasn't confident, there's no way I would ask you a question that I could not answer. Mm. But you because I don't want to be put on because I don't want to be put on the spot. But what does that do? It limits the dialogue. Yeah. And most people get caught up and too scared to ask those types of questions. They are scared because they're not confident because here's the whole thing. If I'm confident, I know that there's plenty of other transactions out there. I also firmly believe in that, hey, if, if I get a no, I'm not worried about it because I got somebody else out there and no is only a moment in time. And no is only because, you know what? I just did not demonstrate enough value for this person at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. I may be able to change that a week down the road, a month down the road, a year down the road, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it. Now, as a salesperson, I'm competitive. Believe me, I am. I, I, I am my own company and I set my own goals. <laughs> Believe me, I am brutal on myself come the end of the month, come the end of the quarter, but I'm confident in knowing that my success is not driven by this month's numbers. Mm. My success is driven by the outcomes I've helped my customers achieve. Mm. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of something else you said in the book too. Not everything worth doing needs to be measured. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> that is, I'll tell you what this, I mean, uh, I have seen, I have been called into too many organizations where they measure everything. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they believe that if we measure everything, it's just going to help and, and go, why are you wasting time measuring this? And I see people with all kinds of social media measurements. I see people with all kinds of, you know. Now, it's interesting. I was dealing with a company yesterday. yesterday. I was on the phone. Mm -hmm. And a critical measurement to them is the net promoter score. Mm -hmm. Now, the net promoter score is kind of a, not, not really a matrix, but it's a scoring index yeah. of how do customers feel about you. And to them, that, that, was, that was the number they measured. That was, and see, so to that organization, that was the number. They're not wasting their time measuring all these other stats, mm. measuring all these other things. Because mm. again, it just becomes a sidebar conversation where we get caught up. We, we, we become a spreadsheet jockey. Yeah. And all we're doing is we're managing how, how, how many sales, okay, sales managers, pay attention. S sales managers, listen up right here. Are you managing your organization by what you see on the CRM dashboard? or on your Excel spreadsheet, if you are, shame on you. Mm. Those are just indicators. Those are just indicators. Yeah. How do you measure how much value? I mean, like, how can you measure how much value you've given your prospect or how many new, you know, relationships that you've made that maybe they said no and, you know, now's not the right time. But how do you measure that? You can't. You can't. And this is where I, I go ballistic over organ. And I get it. I understand it. You know, what are the number of phone calls you made? Mm -hmm. What are the number of conversations you had? How many minutes did you spend on the phone? All that sort of stuff, you know. But here, here's the deal. The measurements that count, and I talk about them in the book. How many qualified leads do you have? Not leads, but qualified, true mm -hmm. prospects, not suspects, not leads, but qualified prospects. And what is the time frame? 
that it takes to turn them into customers and what's the percentage of those that turn into customers. That's it. Those are the three measurements. That's it. That's it. Mm. Focus, focus on what you can close. I, I see too many. This is where marketing gets into trouble. Marketing has this metric of creating leads. Mm-hmm. I can I can go find some old phone books. I, I'm sure I can find some somewhere and dump them on somebody's lap and say, hey, here's here's a million. Here's a million leads. <laughs> you know, no, I want qualified, qualified because a lead becomes a suspect. Then they become a prospect. Mm-hmm. I want qualified prospects. And and how often do sal- are, are salespeople treating them like they're like they're ready to buy in that, you know, in that sort of scenario before they actually are like, they're not a, they're treating them like a prospect when they're really just a suspect. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, and and this happens especially to new people where the customer calls up and there's an inbound inquiry or like, you know, the the person downloads an ebook or a PDF and they automatically think that they're a qualified customer. Mm -hmm. No, they were just somebody bored looking to download an ebook. Okay. That does not make them a prospect or the person who calls up and says, hey, I just want to get a a quick price on something. A a quick price quote does not make a qualified customer. Mm. Okay, get over that. No, that means they're just shopping for a price to use against you with somebody else. That's all. Yeah. Or they're giving you some busy work to get off the phone. (laughs) You oh, oh, send send me. You know what? I don't have time to talk right now, but I'm really interested. Send me some information, would you? Oh, come on. Who's who's getting sold in that scenario? Man, wow. Send me some inf- I'm You know what? I'll have a chance to take a look at it later if you just send me some information. You know, and then I'll call you when I'm ready. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I like to even in those scenarios, I like to challenge the prospect a little bit. Like, hey, I'm kind of feeling like you're not really interested or this is not a huge priority. You know, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, we need to kind of go through this process. <laughs> Um, you got to poke, you got to, you, you got to poke. Cause if you don't poke, you're going to wind up with a, with a pipeline. That's a sewer line. Cause you're going to have all this crap right. or fluff in your, in your pipeline. Fluff. We like to call it fluff. It is. It is. Now, <laughs> Hey, Hey, let me tell you something. I used to have a manager who I worked for that. I kept a lot of fluff in my pipeline. Yeah. And the reason being is because it kept him off my back. Yeah. And that's, that. and the only reason I had it in there was because he didn't bug me. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, he was too stupid to see that it was the same fluff was in there month after month. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he, was a, he was a spreadsheet jockey. You got it. You got it. Yeah, that that is. I mean, that ha- that's still happening today. You know, uh, there's so many people just shoving deals in their pipeline to keep their managers off their back to look like they're doing a half decent job because they don't want to lose their job or, you know, and, and then, you know, come into the month and 40% of it was junk. Then what? That's exactly what I mean. This is, I mean, I, I, I tell the story in the book about the guy I worked with every Friday, we had to go in and justify our numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, we were having a tough quarter and, and we every Friday we'd walk into our boss's office and get our head handed to us. And guy I worked with, um, he, he was saying he was going to make his number, make his number, make his number all the way through the quarter. We kept saying, when are you going to tell Bob that you're not going to make your number? He says, I'm not going to tell him until week 12. Well, you are getting your butts chewed every week. I only, I'm only going to get one butt chewing. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's let's talk about a little bit um, 
what are the, what's the solution? Like, how, let's, what are some of the things people can expect to learn and, and fix some of these problems by reading your new book? Well, he, here's the here's the biggest thing. Biggest thing is understanding why you sell and understand why you sell. Mm -hmm. You have to understand who you sell to. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about uh, in, in there in terms of your ICP, your persona. What is your ideal customer profile? You, you, you've got to stay very focused in on that. There is no sense for a steak restaurant, a steakhouse restaurant to open up in the middle of a town where everybody is a vegan. Okay. It just doesn't work. Okay. Mm. But this is what too many salespeople are doing. You, you have to make sure that you're spending all of your time zeroed in on just people that are that really fit the profile of, of who your perfect customer is. And I, and I walk through the book in there and there's a host of other th things in there, but it's, it's getting tight. And then what you have to understand is why are they buying from you? Again, not, not what you're selling, but what's the outcome they're achieving. So you really begin to create this very tight, profile. Because I talk about in the book, I'd rather have a few prospects I spend a lot of time with than a lot of prospects I don't have time to follow up. Because that's the other problem. Yeah. Too many people have a sales process that they can't stay on top of. They simply cannot stay on top. Don't start what you can't finish. Hey, in today's world, it's taken 15 to 20 touches to get somebody to engage with you. Mm. So don't sit there and say, I'm going to make a bunch of I'm going to make a bunch of dials or I know, I know, I know. I don't have time to make dials. So I'm just going to send out a lot of emails every day. I'm going to send out even more emails, more emails, more emails. Well, let me tell you something that is like, that's stupid. A, a bad email sent to one person is a bad email. Mm. Uh, a bad email sent to a thousand people is really stupid. Mm. But how many times, how many bad, you know, we, we could ask the audience right now, how many bad, stupid emails have you received today? And I bet all of us would probably say we're already in, in the double figures. Oh, yeah, definitely. Way too, way too many. And they're cute. Oh, I mean, everybody's got these little cute games. I, I got this one the other day. In fact, I blasted the person on link, LinkedIn. He said, uh, are, are you extinct like the T-Rex? And that's the reason you haven't responded to me. I mean, give me a break, idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, caught, it caught your attention, but... It caught my attention but, and, and I and I whited out a few things and I pushed it over to LinkedIn. And let me tell you something, people, because here was the whole thing. He was trying to sell me something I don't need because he had done zero research on who right. I am. Zero. Zero. So going back to the fact See, like you are not his ICP. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I finally sent him a note by my book. <laughs> Did I ever hear back from him? No. Mm. Well, uh, all right. So one thing that I loved in the book that you said, tell us about who is the most important person you will ever sell. Me, me. It's yourself. Yeah. It's yourself. That, that That is so many times this really hit home to me a number of years ago. I was working with Mercedes Benz of Canada and um, salespeople in every one of their dealerships, mm -hmm. every one of their stores around or, around the country. And um, it was really kind of cool. And they all drove Mercedes. They, they all drove Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these guys, some of, the, some of these, some of these men, some of these women were, were 20, 21 years of age. First real job. And here they are driving a Mercedes. But you stop and think about this. Could they be driving a Nissan? Could they be driving a Chevy? No, no. They got to drive the, see, they have to sell themselves first that the Mercedes is the ultimate driving machine. No, I'm sorry, that's BMW. They, they, have, to, they have to first really accept that the, 
the Mercedes is is the car of choice, Mm. is the vehicle of choice. You see, you have to, if you can't sell yourself, there's no way you can sell another customer. There is no way you can sell a customer. And this really comes up regarding price. This is why I say there are more price price discounts given because of the failure of the salesperson to believe in the price that are given based on the demands of the salesperson. I mean, excuse me, the demands of the customer. You know, we, we all think, oh, this price is too high. They're, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to accept my price. They're not going to accept my price. I better go ahead and cut it right now. I better go ahead and cut it. Or you give the price to the customer and you go, but you know, we, we can, we can make adjustments. Mm. We can make adjustments. Mm. What are you doing? What? You're telling the customer that you don't believe in the value you can deliver to them. Yeah. I mean, that shows very little confidence. Oh. Very little confidence. See, but what does it go back to what we talked about initially? Confidence. You have to be confident yeah. in your ability to influence and impact other people. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely fallen to that victim to that many times, right? Just because you want to get the next deal and move on or you're, you're exhausted, whatever the case is, you give a discount and you shouldn't have. I've done it many times. Anybody in sales, I'm sure has done it. Um, but I always have more respect for the people when maybe I'm on the other side buying and I'm trying to push for a discount and they hold firm and they won't budge. And what's that tell you? What's that tell you? Because this is the whole thing. If, 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 if they suddenly give you a discount, because, you know, you just ask for it. it that, that damages the credibility. That damages the entire... Now, if they give you a discount and they take something out of the package, mm-hmm. fine. I No problem with that. Take something out of the package. But do not sit there and deliver the exact same thing to you with a, with a discount just because you asked for it. That is like, I'm sorry, but you, you lose all... And, and, and as, soon as, you get, as soon as you do that to one customer... You'll do that to another customer. You'll do that. Discounting is like heroin. Mm. It's like meth. Mm. You become addicted to it. Yeah. And then you suddenly believe that you can't close a, you can't close any sale without a, without a yeah. discount. Yeah. And 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 I like that you said like there there is it's not that discounting is okay, but not discounting without getting something in return, right? If it's a new industry that you're trying to break into, and you know you really need a case study. Or, you know, uh, something like that. And, and they're willing to do that for you. Or, you know, you scale back on what's included. You know, that's appropriate. But just discounting without getting something in return, without them asking, shows a level of weakness, a lack of confidence. And it makes it easier for you to just think that you got to do that every time to close a deal. That's uh, it, 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 it's, it. It's the mark of a non-confident salesperson. And if you and if you deal with buying departments, you deal with purchasing departments, you deal with anybody who does a lot of buying, believe me, they can smell that a mile away. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna they're gonna take you to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna roll over and play dead and keep giving them more discounts, more discounts, more discounts. And and hey, fine. Give them a discount. We'll just take it out of your commission. Does that sound <laughs> good? Huh? Huh? Yeah. See how many discounts are given then. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the whole thing because this is so stupid. Well, you know, on on this big of a price, we can give a 10% discount. Yeah, but if your margin's only 20% and you give a 10% discount, you've now given away 50% of your margin. Mm. Excuse me? Is that a good business model? Maybe you should go back and take basic economics. Mm. Mm. Well, 
Mark, it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, any final thoughts? Where can people find the book other than Audible and anything else you want to let them know that we'll include in the show notes for them? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the best, hey, I got a lot of stuff out on the website, The Sales Hunter. Yes, Hunter is my real last name. I didn't change it. Anyway, The Sales Hunter is the website. Tons of stuff out there. And of course, the book is A Mind for Sales. Hey, you can grab it in bookstores. You can grab it online. Any Anywhere any, anywhere fine books are sold. Mm. Awesome. We'll include. And the, and the Audible is read by the author. Yeah, it's always nice. It's a little weird when it's read by a computer-generated voice or something funky. Uh, so we will include the links to the book, to the website, in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, write us a review, share with your friends, and we're always listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.